Welcome to the Earning the Push podcast. I'm Jack Murley, and each and every week, myself and co-host professional rugby player Charlie Beckett break down everything happening inside and around the world of professional wrestling in a show by fans for fans. Today, the temperature's heating up, and so is the build to WWE SummerSlam and AEW have booked a match involving a shark cage. All of that to come and much more. Charlie, how are you? Very well, thanks, Jack. You know what's been nice is for the first time in ages, we haven't got like any industry-defining, groundbreaking news to cover this week. We can actually just talk about some wrestling. It seems like every week we're just reacting to what any other year would be the biggest story of the year, but this year is just another story. You have absolutely jinxed it. Because I have to go to the Fracture Clinic and I've got other things going on, we're recording this on Wednesday. You'll still be hearing it on Friday, which means there's an extra... 24 hours where anything could happen. Shane McMahon could jump off the top of Titan Towers onto Steph. Some, something mad is going to happen in that interim period. Yeah, something's going to happen that the shark cage is going to fall off and no one's going to get hurt, but it'll be some mad, mad news, something like that. Yeah, we'll, we'll be we'll be watching AEW tomorrow and going, oh, for God's sake, we're going to have to talk about that the week after now. It's very, very strange. Um, Look, rate, review and subscribe wherever you're listening today. He's Charlie underscore Beckett. I'm Jack underscore Murley. We'll get into the wrestling in a tick. But can I just ask how you're coping with training in this heat? Because we're recording this at bang on eight o'clock in the morning. You couldn't find a cooler team and all the time. And already I'm struggling, man. I'm struggling. You also couldn't find a cooler team than me and you, Jack. Um, It's hideous. it's, It's properly hideous. It's so hot. But even last night, I was coaching last night and I was dripping because it's just so muggy. It's so close and horrible. And yeah, it's 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 really, really not fun at the moment. No, I can't even imagine. I'm on public transport because I can't drive. And it was a three hour journey home yesterday. And I was just dripping. I, you know, Kurt Angle at his absolute sweatiest. I was sort of like that walking up the hill. And I thought, God forbid anyone finds me coming the other way. But, but it's nice. I, I've got... Um, a conditioning session on the row machines day at the gym. I have to wear a cap because if I don't, these headphones I've got on just fly off <laughs> as I'm rowing because my head gets so slippy. It just flies off. Well, look, the cardio will be being done by both Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. We're building towards SummerSlam at the end of this month, another stadium show for WWE for their latest premium live offering. We had great promos involving Paul Heyman, Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar on SmackDown and again on Monday Night on Raw, a rare appearance from Brock Lesnar on Monday Night Raw. They're going all out to sell this match, even though we've seen it before. They're trying their best to make it feel special. They are. They're heating this one up and Heyman's doing a hell of a job of building Brock, which doesn't need doing, does it really? Everyone knows the threat that Brock Lesnar carries, but Heyman, fair play to him, is making this match feel huge. I'm I'm enjoying the tease of Austin Theory being about because why wouldn't you be? If you were Mr. Money in the Bank, why would you not be there going, um, lads, you're going to absolutely batter each other. It doesn't matter who wins. Of course, I'm going to um, swoop in and pick up the pieces. So I'm enjoying the build for it. As, as I said last week, if this was a year ago, I'd probably be more excited. Um, I feel like... I feel like the whole ship sailed with the Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns. The ship didn't sail. The ship veered off course when Roman had to miss day one. Mm. I think from there, they haven't been able to tell the story they wanted to, and they've never really got back on course. I do think when we do our fights, booking of great missed opportunities. I do think this is one of those stories that it's not been bad by any stretch of the imagination. The story has been decent and the matches have been good, but 
there was such a better story that they kind of flirted with and never really told here with Heyman stuck in the middle. And I think, I do think that is partly their fault because of course it is, but a lot of that has to come down to Roman's unfortunate time of catching COVID, missing day one, having to put Brock in the WWE title match, make it title versus title. It's kind of had a snowball effect since there. It really has. And I'm wondering, as I was thinking about this match, and you know, if this was a year ago, one of the key aspects wouldn't have just been that Paul Heyman's cutting great promos. It would have been whose side is Paul Heyman on? There's no doubt in my mind right now that Paul Heyman is a Roman Reigns loyalist and we're not getting that tease. We're not getting that willy wonty. We didn't really see that at WrestleMania in that slightly odd main event that, that, that ended night two. It seems like that story, for whatever reason, that could have meant so much has just gone by the wayside. Yeah, they haven't really dug into that too deeply, have they? I do think that's a shame. Yeah, I do think, though, because WWE put up uh, earlier this week the endings of the last 10 SummerSlams. And it's amazing how many times the endings of SummerSlams have been Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar toe-to-toe, either wrestling or confronting each other. And with that in mind, I do think it does still feel fresh. I know I know it's, it's something we've seen before. I know it's not like the unusual match that maybe we wanted to see it's not a complete newbie but it does still feel like something i want to see which after wrestlemania we were going ah you know what i don't need to see this for a couple of years so they've got me invested that way true but do you think that is testament to lesnar reigns or is that just because there isn't a match you'd rather see instead do you know what i think it is i think it's because we see so little of roman reigns I think it's that we we didn't see Roman Reigns at Money in the Bank. We, we haven't seen him defend his title on premium live events for some time. I think it's actually just getting to see Roman Reigns, that old strategy of holding back your champ, makes him feel bigger when he spins around. Yeah, it's, it's very true. It's very true. But then I think my biggest issue with that isn't that we don't see Roman that often. That is what it is. I think when he's away, the US Intercontinental title feels so meh, don't they, that we feel like we don't have titles on the shows. Like, if you're going to do that, they really should have built the US the Intercontinental. I think they're starting to a bit with both of them, especially with the IC on on my old mate Gunther, not his name. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's there's work to do with them. And yeah, I, I'm excited for this match. I think it's going to be brutal. And they're going to absolutely batter each other, aren't they? Yeah, and, and last man standing matches are probably my least favourite stipulation match. They're probably the one that gets me least excited. I'd rather have had this no-holds-barred, but, you know, we, we've had that, I think, was it in one of the Saudi events? It was going to be no-holds-barred, and then they realised they couldn't do that because the finish wouldn't work, so they stopped it being no-holds-barred. There a DQ finish in one of the matches, and they made it on the pre-show no-holds-barred, and then they thought, God, we can't do that because then we can't do the DQ finish. I think you're right. It's just such a stupid thing to do, isn't it? Oh, we have a DQ finish. Let's make it no DQ. Oh, we can't. Let's make it DQ again. Just someone backstage got a turn off for that one, didn't they? You would think so. We'll talk more about theory in a minute. But just as Heyman said in his promo on SmackDown and on Raw, nearly 700 days for Roman Reigns as WWE Universal Undisputed Champion, call it what you will, We haven't, you and I, in our time of watching wrestling, seen anything that comes close to this title reign. No, and it it doesn't feel a day too long, does it? It doesn't feel like it's time for him to give it up. It it doesn't at all. And it's it's some of the best presentation and character booking I've I've seen of of a wrestler ever, especially when you think about where he was three or four years ago. Basically, since coming out of the Shield, Roman Reigns didn't really know who he was or WWE didn't know what to present him as and... I remember watching the, I think it was the 
2016, 2017 Royal Rumble, where he comes out at 30. Mm. The one before WrestleMania 33, where he fights Taker. And genuinely, I was livid. I hated Roman Reigns at that time because he was just forced down your throat. Mr. Smiley, he just wasn't, he just wasn't anything you'll get behind, was he? And now he has been for the last two years, the best thing in wrestling. And the, the character reinvention has been outstanding. The gimmick change has been su- sublime. And it just, it's amazing, isn't it? I said this before, when you let wrestlers almost be themselves, normally it works out quite well. And that that's what's happened. And the pairing with Heyman is nothing I would have ever thought of is absolute genius. I think that's where you have to look. I think Roman Reigns is a, is a generational talent, whichever way you slice and dice him. But putting him with Paul Heyman is the secret sauce that makes it work. Because I remember when they did that shot on SmackDown, it was still in the Thunderdome, and they pulled out backstage, and he was sat next to Heyman. And suddenly, Roman Reigns had a wrinkle you would never, ever have seen. And you're right about not feeling like it's the right time to end. I mean, I felt when JBL had that long title reign and Cena beat him at 21, that was time to stop. And even with Punk and The Rock, it was time to stop. I'm not sure you take the belt off Reigns for a little while yet, which makes me think, do you think there's any chance at all that we get a draw in this main event at SummerSlam? Because if you're going to do a draw, a last man standing match is a pretty easy way to do it. I hope not, because then yeah. that will give Lesnar a chance to say, I want another go, and I love Lesnar, but I need this to be the blow-off of all blow-offs with this Roman-Lesnar feud. But I could see it. It's, it's an easy one, isn't it? Like, going to Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar is WWE's comfort blanket at the moment. They know they can throw him out, and they'll have a good match, and it'll put bums on seats because it's two titans of the industry, and we need to get away from that. So I hope not, but I could see it. Let's talk a little bit about Theory. You mentioned him there coming out and interrupting the two promos. You've been fairly open as saying Theory wouldn't necessarily have been your pick to be put in that spot, and that's a perfectly valid view. However, now he's there, he is maximising his minutes. He is doing a terrific job in this role WWE have given him. Absolutely, because one of my least favourite things is when the Money in the Bank briefcase holders don't don't do anything with it. They just stand in the background. They don't interact with the champ. Of course, if you had a, if you had a chance to cash in at any point, you would be making their life hell, wouldn't you? You'd be torturing them. So of course he should be doing that. So yeah, I I, um, I, I like seeing him do that. And look, he's he's young, isn't he? And he's quite raw still, I think. But he's got. I can see why WWE is so hot on him. He's got all the ingredients. He's like a young John Cena in a lot of ways, and he? he's got the look. He can wrestle. He's decent on the mic. Yes, he's got all the all the ingredients to be a huge superstar. I do feel like the way they're doing it is sort of like the chosen one with Drew back in the day. And fans don't like that. We don't like being told who to cheer for. We don't like being told who should be the next big thing. And having him as Vince McMahon's protégé is one thing, but then just putting him in the money in the bank ladder match at the last minute when other people have earned their way in, having him win. It just feels a bit like that. I know he's a heel, but they're asking for him to be rejected like Roman was, Roman was when we were told to love Roman. So it's interesting that they don't seem to learn the lessons of this doesn't work unless they're going to do some sort of curveball that I'm not seeing. But actual man Austin Theory is doing a great job, I think, in what he's what he's been given and what he's doing. And it will be interesting because I don't think he'll cash in at SummerSlam because I don't think they'll take the title off Roman. But he has to tease it at the end of the match. It'll be interesting how they do it. Maybe the Usos come in. And stop him, I don't know. But it'll be interesting to see. Because also, he's got his match against Bobby Lashley earlier in the night, isn't he? So maybe yeah. he'll get written off through that. So that there are ways, aren't there? 
But what, what is great is it's exciting booking. This is an exciting way to use the money. This is exactly the way to use money in the bank. It is guaranteed storyline for at least 12 months. You know what makes him a brilliant heel? When he ran to the ring around Roman Reigns on SmackDown, and I thought, no one runs like that, you cocky so-and-so. That slow-motion, pouty way. I mean, if you had a fellow with you in, in the changing room at your clubs you've played at who ran like that out onto the pitch, you would be having words. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's not how anyone runs. And when things like that happen, you want to see Roman and Brock get their hands on him, don't you? He's like, you know what I'd love? I'd love Roman and Brock to, like, I'd love it to, like, during SummerSlam, to go to um, Roman's changing room and have Brock knock on the door and he was walking and be like, look, we don't like each other. We've got to do what we've got to do later. But theory is an issue for both of us. So let's take care of him now. And they both just go and find him and batter him backstage before the match. Could you think of any scarier combination, not just in wrestling, in the world? So you were talking about your postman last week. Uh, say your door went, you're like, oh, it's just the postman, I'll go and get it. And you open the door and Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar are standing there. You know that your time on earth is probably limited at that point. I'd either go get, be very excited because I thought someone had like, got me an amazing like birthday present, like some amazing cameo. They paid a load of money for it. <laughs> and then when I realised that wasn't the case, I'd be like, uh, no, this is not good. Do you remember where they did that really well, actually? is um, And maybe they should do this with the Usos in theory backstage. Do you remember way back in the Shields, dim and distant past, where Brad Maddox was backstage and they sort of had all three of them appear behind him and they had that like video camera shot and Heyman was there and Maddox was pleading and Heyman was going, come on now, take your beating like a man. That was badass. It's so good, isn't it? Heyman's so good because Heyman would not take anything like a man. He grovels and he begs and he pleads and he squirms his way in and out of things. But he'll look you in the eye with all sincerity and be like, no, take it like a man. It's ridiculous. Hey, I tell you what I didn't see, and I'm still not sure where it came from. We saw the return of former WWE World Heavyweight Champion, former Intercontinental Champion, former US Champion, and former NXT Champion, Dolph Ziggler, at the end of Monday Night Raw. That was something I didn't see coming, if for no other reason, I'll be honest, I sort of forgot Dolph Ziggler was on the roster. It's 2022, and how's Dolph Ziggler still making a big return? It's strange, isn't it? He's He will forever be an enigma in wrestling, won't he, Dolph Ziggler? 2012, when he cashed in after 20... Was it after 28 he cashed in on Del Rio? Yes, it was. Yes, so 2012, he was the hottest thing, and he had everything, and he was the next Shawn Michaels, and no one bumps like Dolph Ziggler. I will maintain that forever, no one. And that's not always a compliment, but no one does. But... I just don't understand how we... If you want the young talent backstage, you'd be looking going, how are we not giving me a shot at this point? How are we still going back to Ziggler? I don't massively dislike Ziggler, but I don't love Ziggler. I'm very nondescript towards Dolph Ziggler, and that's not who I want. That's not the emotion I want in my main main event of Raw, nondescript. I'm, I'm yeah, I have no feelings towards Dolph Ziggler. Uh, do you know what? It's such a shame because we taught missed opportunities. He got that concussion, didn't he? They did the double turn where Ziggler went face and Del Rio went heel. And then he got concussed and 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 had to, to have the title taken off him. And, and he was so over then. And I think this comes down to, in a bizarre way, not having the world champion on Raw. Because you've got your main event is a US champ in a tag match with, with Riddle and against the Usos. And then 
out comes a guy who, for better or worse, despite his talent, has been defined as a mid-carder, at points upper mid-carder, maybe lower mid-card towards the end of his run. And you just go, great, he's back, but he's been defined down. I know he's not a top guy. Yeah, you're not thinking, oh, maybe Dolph's back to take the title off Roman, are you? Because imagine that. So it was a strange one. Caught me off guard. I tell you what I'm also not really loving has the Judgment Day stable done anything for anyone involved in it to make them a bigger star? No, at least when Edge was leading it, I knew what they were doing. I kind of understood it. It had a purpose. But since they kicked out Edge and brought Finn in, which I didn't see come, but I was like, okay, fresh start. And now suddenly we've got three younger talent. Finn's been around a bit, but still on that upward yeah. curve, hopefully, working together. Um, see what they can do. And then it, they've just done nothing. Like, genuinely nothing. Do you know what they have done? And this is going to sound so shallow, but I th- they've put him in long trousers. And it just looks strange. Yeah, so, okay, let's have this discussion. Finn Balor is a lot of things. He's a brilliant wrestler. He's great on the mic. He seems to be a great human being. He's also incredibly sexy. Right, let's have let's have it out. Okay, okay I didn't that's, think we were going there. Fine, that's the truth. Okay, Finn Balor has huge sex appeal. Why would you diminish that by putting him in long trousers? Like you want people to watch for whatever reason. WWE do not care if you're watching because you love a five star classic in the Tokyo Dome, or you're like he's fit and he's got tight tight pants <laughs> on. Don't get rid of your ones. You're like he's fit and he's got tight pants on. Before you think about this, Jack Murdoch. Don't clip this bit up for social media because you like to do that. Because Jack doesn't tell me what he's clipping up. He just sends it to me. He's like, share this. So this bit doesn't need to go out. Only people who listen to the podcast need to hear this bit. But yeah, why would you get rid of that? Okay, firstly, I'll be the judge of what our socials is. (laughs) For God's sake. Secondly, I didn't think that would be the dynamic because my... A, you're right. He is a very sexy man and you shouldn't cover him up. However, by covering him up, he looks smaller because it, his legs aren't, you, you know, he looked like a preem athlete, and you take, I don't, it just looks weird and generic, and it's sort of how I feel about the whole stable. Tell you, I also don't like in trousers. You thought I was going to go down the stable, like, I'm back on trousers. <laughs> I don't like Bobby Lashley in trousers. No, because I tell you why. Bobby Lashley was one of my favorite wrestlers. When I was like ten, mm. and he wrestled in like short, like black shorts. And I had a pair of black short undershorts that I pair, played in rugby under my shorts in rugby. And I still do. I play in short black undershorts. I've got a pair on now because I'm in the gym after. And we used to call them my Bobby Lashleys. That's what they were called in my house. Dad would be like, have you packed your Bobby Lashleys in your kit bag? I'd be like, yes, of course I have. <laughs> and now I can't call them my Bobby Lashleys. It's a real shame. That's a, well, do you know what? I mean, you've got an alternative here. You can either persuade Bobby Lashley to change back into his shorts or you can persuade all your teammates to play in long trousers and set a statement in the RFU Championship. Lads, with the Bobby Lashleys. The Bobby Lashleys. Uh, I did not think we would go down that route, but he's right, you know. He is a sexy man and he doesn't look quite as good. But let's talk about something I know you're going to be upset by. Butch, Sheamus, Drew, Smackdown. What potential we had, it was billed as a number one contenders match between Sheamus and Drew to determine the number one contendership for the title match at Clash at the Castle, where we're going to, hey, it becomes something very different and your boy Butch is done dirty. Yes, we spoke about this last week, didn't we, how Sheamus and Drew are this odd friendship, but rivalry. And 
whatever you say about them, you know you're going to get a hard-hitting, good match out of them. They don't do bad matches. They have great chemistry. You can tell they've worked together for years. You can tell that in real life they're brilliant mates. They just deliver together. So when I saw that, I was like, yeah. Maybe storyline doesn't really make sense, but maybe we're saying, hey, let's have a UK-based guy in the main event of Clash of If that's your story, go with it. I love it. Yeah. Brilliant. And then it just got made a bit of a mockery, didn't it, of shares being like, oh, I'm not very well. Here's Butch. And then Butch got absolutely battered. I can't get behind Drew and his sword because at any point do I really think Drew McIntyre is going to attack someone with a sword? No, I don't. So it just was a bit weird. But also, if they're doing it because they're going to push that match to SummerSlam, I understand that because that's a SummerSlam-worthy match. Yeah. Just don't announce it for SmackDown. Just announce it for SummerSlam. I am with you on all of that. Poor old Butch being beaten in three minutes by Drew McIntyre. There is no shame in losing to Drew McIntyre, two-time world champion, Royal Rumble winner. But but Butch should be one of your guys. He's not just a small guy to bump. Because imagine, imagine if built properly, Pete Dunne versus Drew McIntyre. Imagine the match. Imagine if that was going on at Clash of the Castle, for example. Because that's the thing now. Pete Dunne, Butch, is one of our best UK wrestlers. He is world-class. He is brilliant. Go and watch him in NXT and NXT UK. He is amazing. He's not going to have anything significant to do at the first major pay-per-view in the UK in 30 years. We're going to get nothing out of him, really, are we? He would have been, even if you just had him in, in the opening match, because whoever comes out first is going to get a hell of a reaction. Make it make it Pete Dunne. Have it be Pete Dunne against someone. Have him win the Intercontinental title. Even, and God, I can't believe I'm saying this, if you have to change his name to Butch, change the name to Butch, but keep him as Pete Dunne and have him and Gunter. I don't care about the names. A Butch-Gunter opening match for the, for the IC title would have been amazing. Yeah, that would tear the house down anywhere in the world, let alone in the Millennium Stadium in Cardiff in front of 80,000 wrestling fans who have been waiting 30 years for this. Like, it just, it baffles me. It baffles me, that one. Like, I, I can, I don't understand ever why they changed Walter's name because they didn't change it to anything. Like, Butch is a different name to Peter's. They just changed it to another stereotypically European one-name name. It yeah. was weird. But I can get behind what they're doing with the character. I actually think what they're doing with the character of Gunther and with Ludwig Kaiser is excellent, by the way. I think the fact that Gunther just battered Kaiser for having the audacity to lose, I think it's brilliant what they're doing with that character. Because you know when Kaiser turns, that's going to be a huge pop. And also, because of the brilliant character, I kind of forget about how angry I am about the name. But with Butch, because I'm so angry about the character and what they're doing to him, then the name just infuriates me even more. It is ridiculous. And the, the sword and the pyro thing is, is too much entertainment for me by about 20 knots. They need to, to pull it. I mean, let's just play this through logically. And it's wrestling. You can't do logic. But let's say he connects with that. What happens next? Michael Cole and Pat McAfee on commentary go, and here's Drew. He's got the sword. And, ah, oh, he sliced him in half. Good night, everyone. Stay tuned for what a, he's, he's murdered someone. Oh, uh, look, he's genuinely driven it through Seamus's sternum. There we go, ladies and gentlemen. That's the end of Seamus. Well, he'll go in the Hall of Fame next year. It's ridiculous. They might as well have given him a falcon and just had him carry a falcon around and say, oh, no, Drew's going to set the falcon on Seamus. And it's just ludicrous. I do not like it. Very quick word before we talk AEW. Bianca Belair, Becky Lynch heading to a rematch at SummerSlam. Easy as you like. It's going to be brilliant. The build's going to be great. And we want to see that match. 
Yep, I'm all for that. Um, happy, happy, happy to see that again. And before we go to AW, quickly, also happy, happy, happy that Pat McAfee signed a new long-term deal with WWE. That may be the best acquisition WWE make in this year, this calendar yeah. year. To sign him up is is a smart bit of business. Yeah, he's just, he's brilliant, isn't it? And also, fair play to Baron Corbin this week on commentary. Because Pat was out because the beat down he got. He did a brilliant job on commentary of just being very funny and pretending to be Pat McAfee. And when he was like to Cole, he's like, what am I going to do to your buddy Cole? Oh, reignited your love for wrestling. Just mocking Michael Cole, who's so sincere and so emotional about Pat. He genuinely, Pat means a lot to him and has it brought a new lease of life to Michael Cole. I thought Baron Corbin did some brilliant, Happy Corbin, whatever his name is, Big Lad Corbin, did some brilliant, brilliant heel work Um on the uh, on the fr- Friday night smackdown the other day Let's talk AEW. Now, this is going to be a little bit different because we're recording before Dynamite, so uh, we have a chance to do a little bit of fantasy booking, but let's talk about something we know is coming in two weeks' time. On Wednesday night, before uh, we uh, we're recording this before, but you'll hear this when Fighter Fest Night 1 is in the books. Night 2, I can't believe we're getting this, Chris Jericho against Eddie Kingston in a barbed wire death match with the Jericho Appreciation Society suspended above the ring in a shark cage. Charlie... What the hell? Is it the most AEW match you've ever heard? Yes. Yes, it is. Let's just put loads of stipulations together and get loads of people in the match. I also, I don't understand why. When did we last just have a dynamite? I don't even know. I don't even know when we last had a dynamite. Everything's themed. I can't keep up. It's, I just cannot keep up. Part of me quite likes it. Part of me thinks that Tony Khan needs to switch to decaf because it is relentless. We've got Quake at the Lake coming up. Have we? we? I've completely missed that. That's in Minnesota, land of a thousand lakes or whatever they call it. So they're doing Quake at the Lake. Does Tony Khan just lie in bed and then he has a a pad next to him and he has like a fever dream. He sits up and goes, ah, Quake at the Lake. And just writes it down. Like, where can I find that? Like, everything has a name. I don't think he sleeps. So, I mean, apart from that, I think he probably does. So we've got Quake at the Lake. Then we've got Grand Slam coming up. Then we've got All Out, where they're going to announce on, on Dynamite. And by the time you hear this, you will know. Um, I can sort Brawl of- at the waterfall! <laughs> Won't lie. I haven't listened to a single thing you've said last 60 seconds. I've been trying to think of something to rhyme. Brawl at the waterfall is very, very good. I like that. Um, I understand the shark cage, because my understanding, I'm given to believe that this is a tie-in with Shark Week that Discovery do. And because... T- I do love Shark Week. Yeah, and because TBS is part of that network, they've been asked to do a bit of cross-promotion. So I, I sort of get it. And in the grand scheme of what AEW could do, I mean, I wouldn't put it past them to do it at an aquarium, to be honest. Yeah. I don't mind it. And I sort of understand Jericho and Kingston, they do have the story for a barbed wire death match. However... The idea that on national television you're going to be getting a barbed wire death match shows how much wrestling has changed over the past couple of years. It's crazy. I'm just, I'm just imagining that meeting where the TBS like uh, producers and executives are like, Tony, Tony, it's Shark Week. What can you do? For- I've got you covered, lads. Do not worry. And what ideas he was told no. Yeah. What ideas he like? Don't you can't do that. To you. you can't have a shark. You can't have them in a tank with sharks. Um. If any rivalry is going to have it as well, like you say, Kingston Jericho has the history to be a death match. Yes, get the Jericho appreciation side out of the way in a shark cage. It's just, 
it's all a bit mad. It's just mad. Like there's going to be so many shenanigans and I just, I genuinely can't keep up with everything that happens on AEW, the rivalries, everything. It's just, it is a bit much sometimes, isn't it? It is a bit much. It it is, and it's so quick and fast paced. And and look, let's not go down that route because we've gone down it a fair few times on this pod. Here's an opportunity for us to not fantasy book, but do a little predicting because we are recording this before Dynamite. Odds are that when you hear this, we will know who the new number one contender is for John Moxley's interim AW World Championship. Charlie, I'm going to give you the pencil. I'm going to make you the booker. You can have anyone on that AEW roster to be the number one contender to John Moxley's World Championship and have a little bit of fun with him till John, uh, till CM Punk comes back, whenever that may be. Who are you going to give a bit of a push to? Really, really good question, isn't it? Because my 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 thought process is who who needs it, who's maybe flat, not flounder a little bit, but who could do with a bit of a bump up. And the two that spring to mind are two who I think we probably all thought we we're going to be doing a little bit better. And the first one is Keith Lee. I know he's in his, I know he's in his tag team, um, but I just think he's, he could be used so much better as a single star in AEW and he wouldn't look out of place and their match I'd like to see. But the one I'm going to go for, because I think the storyline is there as well with the fact that Brody King had the match last week is going to be Malachi Black. Ooh. Everyone knows, anyone who's listened to this consistently knows I'm a massive, massive Malachi Alistair Black fan. I think the story is there for my disciple couldn't do it, so here I am. And that's a match I've never seen and a match I'd really, really like to see. I tell you what, the mind games that Malachi Black could play with a John Moxley, and you talk about oil and water, John Moxley, down-to-earth, um, working-class guy, takes no nonsense, calls it as it is, and Malachi Black getting into his head, I could see that. And do you know who I'd use to do it? Rene Paquette. Yes. Wouldn't you like to see some of those? I mean, for the first time you see, I don't know, Malachi hold up a picture of Renee on AEW TV because she's an, in her own way, she's an amazing asset. But even if she doesn't want to be part of AEW, they haven't ever used her as part of Mox's storyline. No, and she's my favourite people on Twitter because I love just seeing her almost as a fan. God, she loves John Moxley and God, she loves seeing him do well. But yeah, I would, if she gave the okay for that, and like you say, she wouldn't even have to make appearances. Uh, my God, imagine if she did. Imagine, if, you know, the old sort of home invasion angles that Randy Orton used to do. Imagine Malachi yes. Black knocking on your door. Like, if she was up for that and wanted to, that would be unbelievable. But even if she just gave the okay for him to, like, holding a picture of and, like, setting fire to it or something like that, and then really bring the rage side out of Moxley, I, I, I think it could be a really, really good story, feud, angle, and then the match would absolutely deliver. And if anyone, anyone is going to kick out of that spinning heel kick, it's John Moxley. It is. It is. I, I. By the way, slight tangent. Did you see uh, Renee tweet earlier this week something like, I asked Mox to give me a foot massage. It was three minutes before he asked me if I'd ever been put in an Achilles lock. You yes, see? I did. Now, let's be honest. Whether you have siblings or whether you have a partner, if you love wrestling, there have been times where you've looked at them and thought, they're in the perfect position for a move here. I could absolutely... Hit an RKO, rock bottom, power bomb, whatever it may be. You're not a wrestling fan if you haven't thought that. No, absolutely, it's absolutely. True. Who who would you who would you have be a number one contender? Do you know what I would do? I would do face versus face, and I would give Darby Allen 
a little bit of a push because I think you can plug Darby Allen into any feud you want. He has that old Jeff Hardy quality of being that enigma that you can just plug into any situation and he feels like he belongs. And I think you could do something really fun six or seven weeks. Imagine the interaction between Moxley, Sting and Allen. Imagine Mox and Allen because Darby Allen can take anything that John Moxley throws at him, anything at all. And wouldn't you like to see Mox and Sting face to face? I mean, that's an iconic moment. Yeah, absolutely. And Darby and Mox would have a very hard hitting match. You'd imagine, wouldn't they? They would be. They'd probably end up making it a no holds barred or something stupid like that, just because they can, couldn't they? So I think that's the thing: is there are so many great options, and I would love to see someone fresh put into the title picture. So it, it's an exciting time. I think as much as Punk's injury was brutal timing, it has brought this excitement of another new champ and new possibility. So it, I, I am excited to see where they go with it. I am as well. I think it's going to be great. Look, we can also do some predicting. Fans will know by the time they hear this whether we're right or wrong. That tri- uh, triple or glory, no, triple or nothing match, is there any way that the Bucks are losing those World Tag Team Championships before um, they get that showdown with FTR? I mean, this is just another bump in the road for them, surely. Yeah, it'd be a great match, but th- yeah, they aren't losing the titles here. I just don't see it. A couple of other quick bits and bobs before we get on to earning the push and back to developmental. It looks like now, as if we didn't know it already, that Naomi and Sasha Banks are confirmed gone from WWE. Sasha Banks has been removed from the openings uh, and from various on-demand platforms. I don't think we thought at the start of this crazy wrestling year, Charlie, that we would end it with Sasha Banks quite possibly on her way from WWE. That's all but confirmed by the looks of it. And you have to think if you're AEW, she is a a nailed-on pickup. Yeah, if she wants to wrestle still, you have to pick her up. She's one of the biggest stars in wrestling, not even in women's wrestling, in wrestling full stop. So she has to be picked up. I take Naomi as well. I think Naomi's criminally underrated uh, and gives you good name value. But yeah, you are getting Sasha on your television screen as quickly as possible. And don't mess about with her. Plug her straight into the title. Get her straight to the top of the card. That AEW women's division needs a little bit of love. It was at that point where, where... You know, it seemed like it was getting there and it just seems to have sort of fizzled out a little bit. And I don't know what it is about that division. They can get someone, they can plug them in. It boils up a little bit and then it's like someone takes it off the heat. It's not had that consistency. It just feels for me that if Britt Baker's not involved, it's not important, which is huge testament to her. But it's tough because you can't always have her wrestling in the main event. But oh my God, Sasha Banks versus Britt Baker. Do it in New York. Do it. Mm-hmm. In, if you can get her and there's no non-compete, and you can get her for Grand Slam as a surprise, don't yep. pre-announce it as a surprise, then you have got an all-time wrestling moment. That is an all-time moment. Huge. Huge. Absolutely massive. Well, look, it's a slightly truncated version of the pod today, purely because we're recording before AEW Dynamite. You will know what's gone on it uh, on in it before uh, once this comes out. But there is never any excuse to not do our favourite bit of the week. Something's getting the push and something is going back to developmental. First or second, Charlie? I'll go first. Go for it. So back to developmental is a very quick one, very easy. You actually mentioned it at the start of the show. But oh my God, it's too hot. It's too it hot. It's way too hot. And like, I might have spoken about this on the podcast before. People in the country are like, oh, it's not as hot as it is in Spain or in America or in Australia. You're prepared for it. You have air con, you have pools. We are not. We are not prepared for this. I don't want to see it be 31 degrees and I'm doing hill running at 7 p.m. on a Monday evening. No. No. And 
My poor dog hates it. He hates it. He lies on our cold floor in the kitchen and looks at me like, Dad, I don't like this. I'm like, I know, son, I don't like it either. It's too hot. However, and this if this is stealing your thunder for your earning the push, your dog does have a new toy. Yes, no, it's not, but he does okay. have a paddling pool. We got him a paddling pool and, oh, he loves his paddling pool. I put it away. He was in it for half an hour yesterday. I put it away and it's the saddest I've seen him. If you want some joy, look at Charlie's uh, love of his life, dog-wise, Otto, in the paddling pool, jumping about and bouncing about. I've never seen a dog so happy. Yeah, he, he enjoyed his paddling pool yesterday. So so that's my back to that mental is the heat. Yes. My earn the push is two-pronged. Go for it. It's a, it's a double. First of all, the new Thor film, Thor Love and Thunder. Went to see it on Sunday night. I don't think it's as good as Thor Ragnarok, but that's one of my favourite films ever. But it's brilliant. Really, really liked it. Um, if you're a Marvel or a comic book fan, go and see it. If you just want to go and see a film that's good fun and you're going to laugh, you might cry. There's lots going on. Go and watch that. It's very, very good. If you want to escape the heat because the cinema was air-conditioned, it was oh, beautiful. What a dream. Uh, but my main earning the push is for Mr. Jack Murley's other podcast that I won't often promote here because it is competition for this. But if you don't know Jack, Jack's main podcast, this is his side podcast. This is his side hustle, side hustle. his side chick, Get on. <laughs> uh, is the BBC's LGBT sport podcast. And you've just published your 250th episode, haven't you, Mr. Murley? Which we is have. monumental. Do not, do not let it pass you. What a huge accolade that is on any sort of podcast especially when you're doing the sort of podcast that some idiots out there want to burn down so just a massive round of applause oh god bless you jack and the great work he does on both this and that podcast but yeah if you haven't listened to it go and listen to it because there are some great stories on there it's a wrestler this week as well so there's a little bit of crossover and with your um love letter to Finn Balor's thighs this is almost crossing over eventually these two it's like two stars that are coming together they're going to crash and we're just going to have like one day L- I'm going to I'm going to end up on the LGBT sports podcast like I'm not sure how I've ended up here but here's my story <laughs> it's like the multiverse where yeah. you just end up there and you're like, like I I I am I am heterosexual but sometimes I'm confused I like wrestling so here I am let's talk about it you're all welcome um look mine sort of ties it doesn't tie into my podcast my back to develop if you give yourself the push for your podcast that won't be okay no 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 you're fine but my back to developmental and there has been a very prominent example of this this week is anyone who watches women's sport with women commentators and women pundits and asks for a token man to be on the panel because where are the men if that is you alan sugar i saw you on twitter what a silly sausage what a daft brush i mean honest to goodness a there were loads of blokes involved in the BBC's coverage of the women's Euros. B, that doesn't matter. C, you're fine, men. You're absolutely fine. You, you're all right. You don't need to have a pop. Honest to goodness. What, what is he playing at? Just in general, I have a real issue, a genuinely massive issue with anyone who looks for problems in things. Yes. There are enough problems in the world that will present themselves. Stop going looking for them. Yeah. So my back to developmental is anyone who, well, I just agree with you, actually. I'll take your one there. Anyone who sees problems where there are none, you're going back to developmental. Earning the push for me this week, a couple, mine's two pronged, uh, any major sporting event where they decide to deliver the balls onto the pitch in teeny tiny cars. I don't know where this came from. I love it, though. It seems to be one of those things that just happened and I'm all for it. For a while in uh, rugby, the kicking tee was delivered by a car and the car just kept falling over. So that got scrapped after about six months. But yeah, it's such a weird little thing that we do sometimes as sports, isn't it? 
I sometimes wonder, I have these thoughts, you know, we watch animal documentaries and we're like, you know, what are the animals doing? I sometimes watch the animals looking at us again. That thing they're doing has got even weirder. They've got like a car. If you've got five spare minutes, go and find on YouTube. There is a rugby league game this year. I think it was in the Super League where a young man, a young man, a boy drives on. He actually drives like a little go-kart car on to take it on. I don't know if you've seen it. But he has his moment in the light, in the sunshine. He's like, I'm not giving this up. And he just starts doing laps of the pitch rather than deliver the ball. He's going, and it's just hilarious because it's funny at first. And then you see these rugby players getting very angry because they just want to stop playing the game. And this kid's driving around the stadium cheering. And all he was meant to do was go on, deliver the ball and come off. I happen to know the chap who refereed that. He said it was a very confusing moment because on comes a guy and he's like, here again, and he just goes right past him. They're thinking he'll get me on the second lap and he doesn't. He just keeps missing it. So that, that's earning the push for me. I'm also going to give a push uh, to Dame Emma Thompson because uh, I really want to see her new film. Uh, good luck to you, Leo Grand. And I just, you know, you watch one thing and then you get recommendations of, oh, here's some other stuff. Yeah. I just was watching some Emma Thompson stuff and she is amazing and there will i don't even like the film love actually but there will never be a more heartbreaking film moment than her listening to that Joni mitchell track in love actually honestly well one we've got to have a whole some of the conversation about you not liking love actually at some point but two alan rickman was the biggest baddie ever as snape for a long time but his biggest bad guy move was cheating on uh, emma thompson in love actually as uh in that film also quickly i'm gonna say it, everyone else does i think it's coming home with the lionesses they won 8-0 yes. the other night. How good was that? Amazing. Um, I mean, I do, I do think the Norwegian coach, probably at 5-0, might have wanted to tinker just a little bit. I mean, mm. you don't get to 5-0 and go, let's just stick with this for another Let's see. They, they, this hasn't worked yet, but it might now. It's, it's amazing. The noise, the atmosphere, the women's Euros are going great guns. Uh, look, we need to wrap this one up. Final question, Charlie. Smackdown's on Friday. Does Drew McIntyre try to decapitate Butch with his massive fake sword? Probably, and I'll probably have no interest in it, which is just horrible to say, but I won't. How how are we at the point where Drew McIntyre versus Pete Dunne is not on my radar? Just, oh, WWE. Shake your fist at the camera. Ah. WWE. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a bizarre show. We'll blame it on the heat, but we've enjoyed it. And we thank you for listening. Remember, get more folks involved. Rate, review, subscribe, wherever you get your podcast from. Tell other people you enjoy listening. He is Charlie underscore Beckett. I am Jack underscore Murley. For this week's Earning the Push, we are out of time. We'll see you next week, though, when we'll do it again. Bye-bye.